A bit of a different service today. Um, I am going to go ahead and teach the first half of the service, and then Dennis is going to, we're going to do a little tag team, and then he's going to come up and teach the second half. So kind of a conference style uh, teaching today. So we flipped a coin to see who would go first. Dennis won. He deferred. So I'll go ahead and do the first half. I'm going to kind of hit some high caps of what we talked about Friday night. I have the junior high high school with me um, every other Friday night, and uh, we've been we've spent months going through uh, the prophecy timeline, of the end time study uh, that we usually hang up on that wall over there. We've gone we've gone through that, and also the book of Revelation, and uh, we've kind of compared the two. And uh, so we are done with that. We finally got through that, and uh, it's kind of uh, bittersweet. We kind of miss it. But at the same time, it was fun to move into uh, new areas of study in the Bible. And so what we are doing now is we're doing famous stories of the Bible. And uh, we're excited to see, uh, you know, just going back all the way to the beginning and, and working our way through those famous stories and just pulling things out that the Lord would have for us to ponder and to, to know. And, uh, of course, so we started uh, the first famous story of the Bible was creation. And so that's what we did Friday night. And so we had a lot of fun with that. And I want to sort of just recap what we uh, discovered that night, because I think there's some interesting things that I, I hope that uh, you'll, you'll like. So uh, if you would, join me right there in the book of Genesis, Genesis 1-1. And creation is what we'll talk about tonight. Now, you can feel like a Bible expert when turning to the book of Genesis because I know where that's at. It's right here. Look how fast I got there, showing off. It's the first book of the Bible, everybody. And uh, verse 1, and I'll go ahead and pray. Lord God, um, thank you for uh, just your goodness. Again, I just want to lift up your word today, Father, and I lift up um, just this time. Uh, and Lord, it's just great to hear uh, Pastor Rich's voice every time, every Sunday morning that, uh, I don't know what time it is for him, I think it's really late at night, but he, with anticipation and his, his laugh, Lord, and, and Father, just the love he has in his heart for this flock and for this body, Lord, we rejoice. And even though he got a little, uh, he got cut off from us there, Father, we know that um, that whole family is in your hand, Lord. So bring them back safe to us. Father, move mightily today uh, through your word, and we ask this in your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, let's see. So creation, right? And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of cynics can take issue with the very first verse of the Bible. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that is what the cynic or the non-believer or the evolution believer will take issue with. What do you mean there's a, a God up there or there's some being that just whipped this all into existence? Don't you know this could never have happened just that fast? You know. And what we talked about the other night was keep in mind that evolution is just a theory, a, a reminder. It is the theory of evolution, at best. 
So again, and, and it's funny how the world has just kind of adopted it, and it's, it's taken it, and now it's been put into uh, books for kids to learn in school, and, and all of these things, and it, it believes in uh, chaos and disorder uh, coming into order, and it really is just a theory, and it's silly. God created. It says it right here in God's Word. God's Word is true. It's accurate. 66 books written by 40 different authors over a span of centuries, and most of the authors never even knew each other, and yet there's not one discrepancy. Why? That's not possible unless God did it. God did it, and we say it all the time. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. God means what he says, and he says what he means, and verse 1 says, guess what? God created the heavens and the earth. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to believe that. Just look at the stars. As we, the more we study, the more that the, the Hubble telescope pictures that it sends back. I mean, how do you not understand that, that that is created? A creator did that. A creator made those stars. A creator made what we see and experience every single day. We know it in our hearts. It's in us. God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. But the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. I've always wondered about that. From the time I was a little kid, I wondered, wh why? Why was it dark and void and, and formless? If God created the heavens and the earth, wouldn't, wouldn't God create something beautiful? God created the heavens and the earth, and it was dark and formless and void and ugly. What? You know, there's a lot of Bible scholars and that believe something happened. Something took place between verse 1 and verse 2. And the more you read about what these guys say and the more you kind of study it and ponder it, and as I've prayed about it and pondered it, it kind of makes sense. Something took place between verse 1 and 2, and we discovered this with the kids the other night. It was fascinating. God created the heavens and the earth, and then boom, it was void and dark and formless. Why? Bible scholars believe, many, that that was the time that Lucifer in heaven, launched his rebellion in heaven. Would you turn back with me and we'll just take a quick glance. We can't spend a lot of time here, but go back to the book of Ezekiel. Go back to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 28. The timing here seems perfect. The timing seems that it would fit. Verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. And then something happened. What was it? We're looking here at a chapter where uh, Ezekiel is being told to talk to the king of Tyre. The king of Tyre was one who thought he had it all figured out and that he was smarter than Daniel. And this prophecy that is given, that is supposed to be spoken to the king of Tyre, is yes, physically a near fulfillment to him, but also a second fulfillment or a far fulfillment to he who was powering the king of Tyre, and that is 
Satan himself. But at this point, he's known as Lucifer. Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven. And he was covered in all sorts of beautiful, precious stone. It says there, moreover, in verse 11, chapter 28 of Ezekiel, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection. Now again, think about this. It's being spoken to the king of Tyre as a near fulfillment, but really it is a prophecy. It's spoken to Lucifer by God. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden and the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz and diamond, beryl, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Key word. He is not deity. Lucifer was created. The most beautiful creation ever. He led for eons. He led all of creation and worship to God. Beautiful. It's, I can't picture it, but he's covered in all these precious stones. 14. You were the anointed cherub who covers... I established you, God says. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you. O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones, your heart answered that phone very quickly and was lifted up because of your beauty. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they may gaze at you. Something happened between verse 1 and verse 2. And it's believed that it was this event. Catastrophic. Lucifer, beautiful, the most beautiful created being ever. God created him for the one single purpose, and that was to lead all of creation, angels, and whatever else God has created that we don't even know about, possibly, to worship God. And for eons and eons and eons, that took place. Until finally, God began to create and he created, and it seems clear that, you know, that was the time that, you know what? Lucifer had had enough. I'm tired of always leading worship to him. How come I don't have some of that? What happened to me? And in Isaiah, it says the same thing. He says, I will be raised up. I will set my throne above the stars. I will be lifted up on the mountain above the congregation. I, I, and we talked about Lucifer, how he, he uh, somehow got eye disease. I, 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 me, I. How come I don't get some of that adoration? Look at me. I'm beautiful. And he was lifted up, and he wanted some of that. He wanted to be raised up. And it seems clear that in this rebellion he was able to launch, he also got a third of the angels to take his side. 
Well, iniquity was found in his heart, and God said, gotta go. And so he says that God cast him out to the ground. God created the heavens and the earth, and I'm imagining it being beautiful, and then boom, verse 2. Hell hit earth. When Satan was kicked out and a third of the stars fell, the Bible tells us, a third of the angels took his side, and they were cast down to the ground. And catastrophic things happened to this creation. Dark, void, cold, and ugly. What happened? And it makes sense if you think about it. Because as you project further on, Eventually in this chapter or in, the, in coming chapters, we get to Adam and Eve. And we all know the story of Adam and Eve, how Eve was deceived by Satan himself. When Lucifer was kicked out, he went from Lucifer, then became Satan. The third of the angels that took his side were not angels, they were fallen angels or demons. And that's what happens today, the forces that we battle, not against flesh and blood but principalities of this world and this age. And so that's what we battle today. So who do we see there deceiving Eve in the garden? Satan. Okay, it wouldn't have been Lucifer because Lucifer was his previous as worship leader. So this sort of makes sense. The timing does fit. And where would he have gone anyway if heaven and earth had not been created yet? So it does make sense. That verse 2, that the earth was void and without form and darkness, but look what happens, second part of verse 2. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Water is a symbol in the Bible of God's Word, and you see it over and over again in Scripture. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. Go there to, with me, turn back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, perhaps one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands. That is highlighted in pink, because we're talking to the wives. Okay. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Moving on. It's God's word. It's God's word. Oh. But verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. See, God's word, water is likened to God's word. It cleanses us. As we hear it, as we read it, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and we, we get cleansed. It cleanses us, and it's a picture of that. And back to Genesis, second half of verse 2, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Keep that in mind. Verse 3, and God said, this is his word. He speaks. Let there be light. And there was light. In other words, the Hebrew phrase there would be light be, and light was. Verse 4, and God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Uh, a refurbishing or a reconstruction of the earth begins right here. 
God created the heavens and the earth, and then boom, a catastrophic event. Lucifer launched a rebellion in heaven. A third of the angels joined him, and war broke out, and God dealt with it. They come crashing down. Hell hit earth. Sin hit earth, was destroyed, and now God's rebuilding. He's refurbishing. He says, light be, and it was. And he separated and divided the light from the darkness. In verse 5, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Speaking of day and light, daylight savings time, did that freak anyone out this morning? No? It kind of freaked us out last night. We were coming back from Medford, and it was kind of late. I'm like, oh, whew. it's like 10.30. We got to go. And it's a long drive home. Like, no, it's not. It's like 11.30, actually. Huh? Oh, man, freaked us out. And so the evening and the morning were the first day. Notice the order there. And Pastor Rich just said that a second ago. It's kind of interesting. And the evening and the morning was the first day. Not the morning and evening, like we do. In the Jewish culture, even today, they still see their, their, their day begins in the evening. They go from darkness to light. Very cool. Verse 6. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. A firmament, again, this is talking about that layer. We talked about it when we spoke with, the, that we did the series on Noah. That firmament that was around the earth that would create and cause a, a greenhouse effect and all the planet. We'd all have the same climate and everything, and it would block all the UV rays, enabling man to live 900 plus years. We talked about that. But now as that had fallen and, and created the flood, catastrophic events again took place. Now UV rays hit us and limits our lives to like 80 years old. And we think we're doing pretty good if we make it to 80 these days. But can you imagine back in those days, I told the kids, look, can you imagine like if all these guys standing around and they're like 300, 400 years old and they see an 80-year-old, they're like, <laughs> kid, <laughs> he's only 80. Hey, talk to me when you hit triple digits. Then come talk to me. We'll, we'll talk then. You know, I mean, that's how it was then. If you're 80 years old, you wouldn't look like an 80-year-old today. It's the UV rays that are killing us and so many other things, right? But back in these days, this firmament, it kept that from us and from them. And, and that's what is being created here. In verse 7, it divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God, God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Heaven in the Bible, it, can, it depends on the context, but it can either be heaven, God's, God and you and I's eternal home, or it can be the heavens, like uh, space and where the stars are, or it can be heavens, the heavens or our atmosphere where birds fly that we see. So it depends on the context there. Verse 9, then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth and gathered together the waters and called the, gathered the waters and he called them seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. Verse 12, and the earth brought forth grass and herb that yields seed according to its kind and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind and God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. 
and we pointed this out to the kids, this is what we discovered, that what was created on the third day? Life. Life was created. Before it was light and, and darkness and the separation thereof, and then the firmament and the waters being separated. But on the third day, grass and trees and fruit trees, life. And you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is what we discovered, that Jesus himself, what did he do on the third day? He rose again. And we get to celebrate that soon. Easter, I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait. We get to celebrate that in soon, uh, soon weeks. And he saw that it was good. Verse 14, then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons and for days and for years. That's where we would get our time and our calendar and that sort of thing. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Verse 16, for God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. Oh, and he made the stars also. We could not get past that <laughs> the other night with the kids. Oh, yeah, he, and by the way, he made the stars. Craig and I have had great conversations about this very verse. Because if you ever, if you're kind of a guy like me who's fascinated about stars and space and, and planets and just how big stars are, y your mind is baffled by how giant and enormous stars actually are. And there's a few of the stars out there that you can name that are just, you know, how many Earths would fit inside those golf or those, those planets. There's, Louis Giglio has a, a, a presentation that he does. If the Earth were a golf ball, perhaps you've seen it. It's amazing. If the Earth were a golf ball, and he compares it to setting a golf ball at the base of the Empire State Building and then walking across the street and say, okay, I can barely see my golf ball, but there's a planet that size. How many golf balls would fit in the Empire State Building. That's how many Earths would fit in some of these stars. It's just, it's a mind blower. But what's devoted to it? Oh, and he also made the stars. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff and, and photographs and sounds that Hubble has sent back to us. Stars that we have never been able to see before in recent years we've discovered and it's just mind blowing. How do you not know that there's a creator? How does a person say in their heart, nah, that just happened by happenstance? No. No. And he made the stars also. But he's talking about these lights, right? One greater to, to rule the day and the lesser to rule the night. Verse 17, and God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So... God created the sun. The sun was there to give us great light in the day. The sun rules the day. And the moon is the, the second light, the lesser light, to rule the night, to give us light at night. But what we discovered with the kids, is, it's fascinating, because can the moon give light in and of itself? No, it's just a big white thing up there that... It has to reflect the light of the sun, and that's just science. We know that to be true. The greater light, the sun, shines bright. It's brilliant. It is magnificently brilliant and, and hot, 
and it's just so fierce. I mean, we don't want to be any closer than 93 million miles or whatever it is. I mean, that's as close as we want to get because of its intensity. It's just incredible. The greater light shining, and it rules the day. But then the lesser light, the moon. But it can only give light at night because it reflects the light of the sun. And that is exactly what happens to us. A couple things happen to us. Backing up to the original thought there between verse 1 and verse 2. The same thing takes place with you and I before we're saved. We're created. We're created, we're born. And then sin can destroy and come in and wreak havoc in our lives. But then the word of the Lord or the spirit of the Lord moves within us and we hear the truth. Faith comes by hearing uh, the word of God and he cleanses us and rebuilds us and recreates us. Again, we're a new creation in Christ. All former things have passed away. And that's what happened in creation. We draw these parallels. This is what we do. What we do. We talk about this. These parallels. Everything always points back to Jesus, as I have previously said. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that in your your scripture reading? You can draw everything back to Jesus. Everything comes back to the Son. S O N. Well, this is what happens with us as well. Jesus said, "I am the light of the world." Would you go back and look at a, a couple of scriptures with me? We'll do a couple of scriptures here, and then I'm going to sign out. But in John chapter 8, John chapter 8, verse 12, give you a second to get there. The sun is so intense. It's so fierce. It's like 180 trillion billion degrees. I don't honestly know what, how hot it is but it, maybe some of you do. It's hot, it's intense, and it's fierce. And it gives off incredible heat, it gives off incredible light to rule the day, but Jesus said, I am, look at this. Verse, eight, uh, verse 12 of chapter eight, book of John. Then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. But you know he calls us to be lights too. Bounce back real fast to the book of Matthew. Go back to Matthew, just a couple books over to your left. Matthew chapter 5. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, hey, listen, I'm the light of the world. But also too, chapter 5 verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The sun, this intense star that we have that just blasts us with heat and light, and then the lesser of the light, the lesser light, rules the night, and it can only reflect the light of the sun back to us on earth. It has no light ability on its own. It requires light from the sun to reflect that. And you know what Jesus is saying? He says, I am the light of the world. But you know what? You are too. 
And you and I are to reflect light from Jesus and give glory to our Father in heaven. Do we have any light abilities of our own and in our own power? Of course not. We're wretched sinners, saved by grace, but nothing good comes from us. It's only by the light of the sun, S-O-N, Jesus, that shines on our lives, and then we are to reflect that light to the world, to give glory to our Father in heaven. Do you see how that works? Everything points back to Jesus. He says, I am the light of the world, and so are you. Reflect the light to the world. Be ambassadors for me. Witness. Share the gospel. Have hope inside your heart that only I can give. Reflect that light. Reflect that back onto a dying and lost world. That way, when people look at you and me, they don't see me. They see something in me. They don't know what, but my heart is that they would see Jesus in me. Is that your desire? It's mine. Don't look at me. I'm a sinner. <laughs> I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But hopefully my life is reflecting the light that Jesus can only shine. And to what degree? All of me. Every single bit of me. Every single part of me. And I'll close with this. Jesus is the light of the world. Lord Jesus, my prayer is that you reflect your light off of me and my light shines to a dying world and I give you the glory. But you know what happens? What can happen if we allow it? The world can get our attention. The things of the world can get our attention. And what can end up happening, just like a lunar eclipse, the world can kind of creep in between me and the sun, S-O-N. And as that happens, as my attention goes away from Jesus and reflecting his light, and I'm in tune with him, and sometimes what can happen is I can start looking to the things of the world, and I can start losing my way, and I can start allowing things into my life to creep in, and pretty soon the things of the world are starting to get between me and Jesus, and then what ends up happening? My light can start to diminish. My light will stop reflecting fully what it could be fully reflecting, if nothing's in the way, if nothing's in between me and the sun, I reflect his light wholly, completely, and that's what I want. But when the world starts to get in between me and Jesus, what ends up happening? My light starts to diminish less and less and less. How much of the world am I allowing between me and the sun? Just like a lunar eclipse, or a, excuse me, a, a lunar eclipse, the earth gets in between the, the moon and the sun, and what happens to the moon? You don't see it anymore. It gets less and less and less. And that's the analogy that we used with the kids the other night. It spoke to all of us, and the rhetorical question I asked the kids is, how much of the world is in between you and the sun? How much of your light is shining? I would hope and pray that we're all full moons, full moons, reflecting as much light from the sun as possible to a dying and lost world, that they would see us and we would say, listen, there's hope out there. Jesus loves you, and I hope you can see Jesus in my life, and I hope I'm reflecting that fully. That's what our heart's desire is. But what's really happening? Is that you? Is that me? Are we full moons? Or are there things that we're kind of dabbling with here and there? 
Are we allowing things of the world to creep in between the Lord and us? And as that happens, if we allow it to continue more and more and more, that same degree that we allow that is the same degree that diminishes our light shining on the world. And that's how we left it with the youth the other night, and that's how I'll leave it with you today. It's sort of a wake-up call. We would want to be full moons. We would want to be shining our lights fully for him. Not ours, we have none. It's reflecting Jesus's. To a lost and dying world, why? So we can give honor and glory to our Father in heaven, and he gets all the glory, amen? It's a wake-up call for us. If the world is, and the things of the world, and the, the desires and those things that are getting in between us and the Lord, kick it out. Kick it out right now. Get it out today. Remove it so that we can be fully reflecting God's light upon this world. Amen? Let's close. Father God, thank you for your word and the truth that's in it. Lord, even the story of creation, many of us have heard it so many times, but Lord, even creation points to you. Lord Jesus, I pray that, Father, that's our prayer as we end this portion of the teaching this morning, that you would just shine bright on each and every one of our lives. Lord, you would shine so bright that as that light reflects off of us, it goes into areas of our work and our school, and everywhere we go, Lord, we shine like bright lights for you. Lord, let nothing be in between you and us. May our relationship with you be whole and complete, nothing in this world being in between us, Father. Encourage us, Lord. Let us not look horizontal, but vertical. Lord, we cry out to you, and we just thank you for your grace. Help us, Lord. We're weak. We're feeble. We stumble. Lord, we need you. Bless this flock, Lord. Bless this day. May you be magnified. Holy Spirit, move mightily, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Well, Dennis, do we do a tag to pop? Yeah. You're up. Oh. This little light of mine. That's a great song, too. That was good. Yes, so it is time to go. So. Mark 4, Mark chapter 4. And on the fifth day, God created fish. <laughs> I had a customer in the store, <clears throat> and uh, they were moving into a new house, and they had to get out of their dream house because uh, his sister needed to move in with them, and they needed more room, and so they were explaining where they were going, and... I said, oh, do you know Dale and Terry? He goes, the preacher? <laughs> yeah, that's him, the preacher. And that's well to be known for, right? I mean, what, what are we known? I'm rubbernecking. Man, my neck's all crooked. But, you know, what are we known for in the kingdom of God? And, and how do we hear the word of God? And how do we apply it to our lives? We come in, we're wayward, we're beat up, 
We want to beat everybody else up. I think sometimes we come to church to find someone that's more miserable than we are. And we feel better, right? I mean, I do. I'm always looking for someone miserable. I mean, that's kind of the way it is. But um, so you're at Mark 4, and I just want to point out, because God, man, he convicted me. God convicted me in, in chapter 4. The parable of the sower. And uh, it, it's hard when God convicts you because just like Rivers was saying, you know, things, go, they grow up and they block out our vision or our vis- vision changes. And we're wayward. And I thought it was just for non-believers. I thought, man... Lord, you want me to ask someone to come on up here and receive the Lord? And, and I am. You come on up here. If you, if you don't have the Lord in your heart and you're here and you're seeking him, you're, you're, man, you come on up. And you can come up any time during the service. You stand right here, kneel down, or I'll call someone up to pray for you. We'll, we'll get you saved. A new life. A life worth living. This is the life. God is the life. Everything else, we've tried it. Haven't you tried it? You didn't find any life in anything else. I remember standing outside of my house, looking up to heaven, and I I said, I want a new life. And heaven responded. I mean, God loved me that much, and I was creepier than I am now. Really. So think what he can do with you. Think, think how much he loves I mean, how much does he love us that, that he would lay it all down for a bunch of sheep that didn't love him? And you know how hard it is to love somebody that's unlovable, right? Um, there's, um, you know, he restored my life that day. But he didn't set me free that day. But I remember when he did set me free, he took a burden off my shoulders. And all he said to me was, choose you this day whom you will serve. Where are your eyes? Who are you looking at? The word of God, I mean, it is Jesus. It it says in John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made. In him is the life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness didn't comprehend it. And in verse 14, he says, The word became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I love that because that's Jesus. He is just grace and truth. And if you're looking for truth in a world that, you know, I remember my word wasn't worth a cent. It wasn't worth a penny. Might not be now, but I'll speak Jesus. That's, that's worth speaking. Everything else is, leads to maybe something you're going to have to answer for when you stand before him. But when Jesus began this parable, um, 
there was a great multitude that was gathered to him. And he got into a boat and he sat in it on the sea and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And he taught them many things by parables. And he said to them in his teachings, and they were used to parables. A lot of teachers were teaching him parables because it was kind of this mystical way to show your intelligence. And also it was a way to keep people that weren't you know, busy about God, or, or in this case, Jesus, um, he would tell a parable. So those that, so those that see, seeing they wouldn't perceive, and those that were hearing, they wouldn't hear what he's saying. So he says this, lest they should turn from their sins and be forgiven. That's an amazing statement. I mean, we got the word of. The word, the living word, the incarnate. We got Jesus walking amongst the people. And unless he didn't start telling these weird stories or these stories that had meanings, heavenly and earthly, that if people weren't listening and paying attention, they wouldn't get it. Because he wants to give you a choice. The scripture clearly says that if he wouldn't have done that, everyone would have been saved. Wow. I'm thinking, well, Lord. I mean, that's... I would love that. Just save me. Clean me up. Make me new. And, you know, take away all the other stuff in this life so we can just be children of God, loving one another purely, with pure hearts. Not, you know, always, you know, the other way, the carnal way in which we deal with, even in this passage. He says, listen, behold, and... I had a lady in the store yesterday. She's sitting here, and she gave me the listen, what it meant. She, like, slapped me in the ear hole if I didn't get it. You know, it was like, wow, she, she had it down. I mean, you know what listen means? I, I'm still trying to learn it, but it, it's like not only hearing it, seeing it, and the emotion behind it. The feeling that the person is, is giving you through his voice. And not only that, letting it enter your heart. You know, my wife says my glasses or my ears are for holding up my glasses. It's like, because I'm deaf. And you know what? I am. I'm, I'm in my mind. It's like weird. Especially when you're, you know, you're, you're going to share the scripture. And the things that race through your mind, the scripture that pops up, that just, uh, you know, you read one scripture and another one comes up. I read this, and I mean, it took me right to the beginning of Mark. Jesus was on the scene, and Mark records it. I mean, he comes right, you know, out of the water, and the heavens open up, and I mean, John the Baptist is spoken of to lead the way, and and God is just incredible that he gives us his word and we can understand it. But the way that we understand it and the way that we sow it. And I just want to say, I'm not even going to read this because we're already running. You know, it, it doesn't matter. I'm standing before you. It's just God gave me a word. I'm just going to keep it. to <laughs> <laughs> share it all. You know, Rich will probably get held up somewhere and someone else will have to share next week. But what, what a good time. No, no, I'm kidding. He'll be here. God's gracious. You know, um, what a, what a five-week period that we got to 
behold the Spirit of God and see it in his people and these men that came up here and taught and uh, Rob giving us the here's his Haran and 900 miles over here and I mean it was a, it's a great story we, we need to know that we need to see that and Rivers and all his stuff what a you know Rivers you like wow cute Yeah, he is. He's cute. But, but, you know, John did one yesterday for the men. And, man, I was wondering, wow, John, why don't you do that more often? What a blessing. A blessing. We're blessed. We're blessed because of the Lord Jesus. And if you're struggling with the Lord, if you're fighting against his will, give it up. He, he's, he won. If you need prayer for something, well, why not come down and get prayer? If you don't have the Lord Jesus in your heart as your Savior, you came for something, right? Something better. Something different about God's people. Some, you know, it's just like, you know, the stony ground, the shallow believer. They come because... They like the people. They never take root, and when the sun comes up, they wither and blow away. And we know that that's true. And we feel for them or hurt when people come in here and then they leave. They've, you know, kind of got known, and then they just disappear. And we wonder what happened. And what happened to, you know, with you and me? What what are what are we guarding? Are we guarding the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts? Because the wayward sinner, it says, man, Satan f- comes in and rips the seed right off, takes it right out of their hearts. That's the wayward sinner. That's the, or the wayward person, the person that hears the word, but his heart's so hard, he's rebellious. He's turned away from what is right and just, and he's got a perverse heart. And to tell you the truth, it's me. I was a wayward person. I, I think we, we can be wayward here. Believers that we, we get hard-hearted for some reason. Our hearts turn. We don't know how to deal with it. And we just get... We, we kick against everything. And yet we keep coming. And then we're polluting everybody else. And it's like, wow, we're praying for you, man. And you know, unless God fills us with the Holy Spirit, what are we going to say to the person? Because if we don't do it in love, how do we restore somebody? And that's what the body of Christ is for. Live by the word and and deal it out. Sow it. It's like the preacher, Dale. You know, that's a good, that's an awesome thing. And and we're all called to it. You know, so Acts 1.8, wonderful passions. Wait for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And once you're filled, you know, then go out to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Just, you know, right in your neighborhoods, we're, we're to give the word out. And when we give the word out, we're the seed that's some, you know, 60, 30, 30 fold, 60 fold. It's an amazing, miraculous amount of, of produce, you know, or fruit that is uh, 
For one seed, maybe 30-fold. Throw out one seed and re recover 30. It's like my peach tree. I got a great peach tree, and it produces lots of peaches and pears. And God is gracious to me. I love the freedom that God has given to me. I love the life that he's given to me. I got a brother in the back that every time I see him, I say, how you doing, Rick? Living the dream. I love that. You guys want to live the dream? Surrender it all to Jesus. And it'll all come true. Now, you're going to have trouble. Who in here doesn't have trouble? Would you raise your hand? Anybody without trouble? No one will do it because they know we're all going to go home with them. No, we, we got trouble. We all have trouble. We're guaranteed trouble. Trouble just follows you around. Satan, he was in the garden. He was at Jesus' teachings, just waiting to rip off the seed, the word of God. He's trying to rip off who he can. And we don't, oh, don't let Satan snuff it out. <laughs> let it shine. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey. Who wants to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Savior? Is, is it you today? Is it today your day? Do we have many? We have many. We're all rebellious. We, we all need to re recommit our lives, right? We need to be recommitted. And we've all done it once, but we need to do it again. Amen? So... Repeat this after me, and you shall be saved, even against your will. See, if I was Jesus, you wouldn't have had a choice. You would be saved. You would be walking. You'd be towing the line, hooked to the whooping post. If you, Dear Heavenly Father, I want you guys to say this out loud, please, would you? Just, just do it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I know you're the way, the truth, and the life. And no one enters into the kingdom but by your door. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Go with me. Fill my heart again. In your precious name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.